0: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hey, this is Ariel Hawani, host of the MMA Hour on the
1: Vox Media Podcast Network. Each week, we interview the biggest names in the world of mixed martial arts and beyond. So tune in live every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern over at MMAFighting.com or download the show afterwards on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud,
2: and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you then. Welcome back to the Limited Upside Podcast. Today we are doing the Cleveland Cavaliers summer preview, although it is now the fall. NBA season is about two weeks away, so we're getting to the really good teams. Obviously, the Cavs were in the NBA Finals last year. They had a ton of roster turnover. They have a new general manager. They have a brand new set of stars to surround around LeBron James, and, and there is no shortage of topics to talk about. And cover. Mike and I were joined today by Eric Jackman. He is the producer of the MMA Hour. You've probably heard Ariel Helwani on here before, talking Knicks. Well, Eric is that equivalent for the Cavs and some. Loves the Cavs. Knows a ton about them. And he was a wealth of information and honestly a great fan perspective. We also had Chris Manning on. Chris has been on before as well. He is the managing editor of the SB Nation Cleveland Cavaliers community, Fear the Sword. And of course, I'm Ben and it was joined by, by Mike as always. Um, and we got into it. This was a really fun podcast. They are uh, an, an interesting team. They're a team that has, like we mentioned, no shortage of narratives, but also question marks. For a team that was in the NBA Finals just one year earlier and for the previous three years, you'd think there'd be a lot more set in stone. So we tackle all that. We get some great... Twitter questions from our from our listeners. Um, and you can find this podcast, which is part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SBNation.com backslash MBA. Wherever you get your podcast, you're gonna be able to find the limited upside. Please subscribe, rate, review, all those good things. uh, that's on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. We we love getting the, the ratings, the reviews. There's so many of them now. And and honestly, the feedback is so important to how we bring this show to the next level and how we continue to get better uh, on an individual basis here and as uh, a show that we want our our listeners to to really appreciate and feel like it's it's going in the right direction. So we love that feedback. Comments are great. Uh, And always send those questions. The questions can go to Twitter. That's at EpiBen at limited underscore upside and at Mike Prada SBN. You can also send emails to Mike. That's Mike Prada at SBNation.com. So sit back and enjoy, or continue the drive, or whatever commute you're on right now, or maybe you're just hanging out and about to watch some basketball because preseason basketball is finally upon us, so we can stop the speculation. Whatever it is you're doing, enjoy this Cavs Limited Upside Season Preview. Welcome back to the Limited Upside Podcast. Today we are doing the Cleveland Cavaliers summer preview, although I guess summer is officially over, so it's kind of like the fall right before the season starts preview. Joined, as always, by Mike Prada. And today we have a few guests. Uh, Chris Manning has been on this podcast before. He's the Fear of the Sword managing editor the great SB Nation, Cleveland Cavaliers community. And then welcoming for the first time, we have uh, Eric Jackman, who is the MMA producer. I'm sorry, I should say the MMA Hour producer. We've had Ariel Helwani on here before. He's kind of the right-hand man there. He's also a Cavs super fan, although not from Cleveland. As has an interesting backstory that we will have him tell as to why he is a Cleveland put, Cavaliers fan. putting him on the spot. Band. Eventually, it's a good story and takes us into some some fun names from the past. Maybe a banana boat reference will come in. Oh, there, yes. Yes, very uh, much so. But with that in mind, guys, welcome to the Cavs preview here. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Very nice. Very Thank nice. you very much, guys. We have a lot to talk about. Where do we want to (laughs) start? So I guess the best place to start, (laughs) we do this for every pod, is is where the mood of the fan base is. And this could be in any number of directions here. Uh, Even if you just spanned how you guys felt two months ago to how you felt last month to how you feel this week. That mood changes a lot. So... Eric, since you're going to be the voice of the exact fan that we're looking for here, and then Chris, maybe because you have some more of that editorial integrity to uphold here, <laughs> you can go second. Wow, you're so, being kind of mean to our, this is a lot of integrity to uh, well, hold a is, podcast. This is accurate, come on. I, I want right. to get the mood of the fan base, <laughs> fan being uh, capital and bold there. Eric, what are you thinking right now about this team? What's the one word to sum up the mood of the fan base right now?
3: Um, I would say hopeful. Um, but let me jump in and say that uh, by no means do I consider myself a journalist with a capital J. Oh, okay. um, so, Ben, feel free to, to slag me off on, okay. on anything there. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm hopeful. And that word is very different than it would have been two weeks ago, two months ago. Um, currently, the season is upon us and I'm hopeful.
2: Yeah, that that's a good place to be going into any specific season, but we let me let me break that down a little bit. Were you hopeful moving into last season or was last or I should say last off season or was last off season more like vengeful or, or I guess it wasn't
1: vengeful, it was uh successful. Really? Last off season. <laughs> yeah, was, I'm was, I'm curious yeah. what 2 weeks ago you would have yeah. said and what 2 months ago you would have said.
3: Moving moving into last season, it was cocky. <laughs> uh moving into 2 months ago, it was depressed (laughs) moving into two weeks ago it was i'll be all right or okay (laughs) um and now i'm back to
2: hopeful so you swung all pendulum of emotions i think you ended up in the right place chris what, what about you
0: right now i would say energized i think you're seeing people very excited about what this team has changed i think the dna of the team being potentially different because i'll believe it when i see it is is something unique that we're actually going to knock to just see kyrie and lebron iso ball with kevin love standing on the side for most of for most of the games um 2 months ago i would have said more pessimistic just because it felt like nothing had changed and nothing had really Change And then you trade Kyrie and then it's a little bit cautiously optimistic because I don't love a lot of the moves they have made. I think some of the moves they made have been really, really good. I think some of them have been, let's just say, like underwhelming. And I I don't think the fits great. Um, But I mean, we'll see. And I think there's still going to be a lot of change within this team the rest of the year. Like, I, I don't think what we're seeing right now is even exactly what we'll have in six months.
1: I can tell that we're recording this in October (laughs) and right before during training camp and we're all happy because not to bring it back to the more depressing elements of this offseason, but holy crap, did a lot happen to this team. Um, Yeah. I guess, should we start with what do we think about Kyrie Irving now or should we start with going back to June with the whole, like, who's the GM and all that upheaval? Let's start with Kyrie Irving, okay? Chris, like, Evan just has a basic question. You know, obviously, Kyrie... Is now in the Celtics. I'm sure a lot of fans by this point have moved on, and I'm trying to root for this team. But I'm very curious to know what Cavs fans feel about Kyrie Irving now. Are they angry? Are they still kind of bewildered at how that whole thing went down? Are they understanding of him? I mean, I'm just kind of – I have a hard time gauging exactly – because this was your guy for so many years. This was the guy yeah. that you touted in those you know, wrong arguments about why John he's better than John Wall. <laughs> <laughs> and now, correct arguments. Yeah. Okay. Uh, still, you'd say that. Okay. All right. But like, well, what? How do how do Cavs fans feel about Kyrie Irving at this moment?
0: I think there is some genuine anger towards him right now, and I don't. It's not as, as extreme as LeBron when he left, but I think you're seeing. The, the rub of Kyrie, like the the quirkiness you sort of put up with when you're rooting for him and, and when he's dropping 40 points for your team, that's kind of gone now that he's playing, a, not just for another team, but for the team that's probably the biggest competitor to the Cavs in the East this year. And and also just the way he has exited, it's just, the, again, it's the, it's the Kyrie quirkiness that you sort of put up with. That is the way he's presenting why he left, the way he's talking about LeBron, the way he didn't he wear like a sticker or like a hat on his head last night about being liked.
1: Yeah, that was like a, after he, this game. I have this like fake thing, this thing I like really want to explore this year, which is basically fake deep carry Irving, like kind of a roundup of all the different ways he's been fake deep this year. <laughs> Sorry, I think people
0: are just kind of annoyed with him. And I think like you, he might get boot on opening night and I'm very curious to see if he actually does or if he gets cheered or if it's a mix. What do you think, Eric? As as the
3: resident Cavs fan, um, I wanted to name my daughter, my my daughter who's going to be born in about a month. Um after Kyrie. I was exploring Kyra, Kira, all kinds of combinations of that. That's no longer true. I used to I used to believe that the world was flat. I no longer believe oh, that to boy. be true. <laughs>
1: after, Wait, so then your world literally turned upside down.
3: My my world literally changed with, with the departure of Kyrie Irving. But but to be you know and, and there's there is an element of, of truth to that. Kyrie was my favorite player. And um, if you flash back to when he signed his um, contract with the Cavs. At the time, the Cavs were not a great team, and he was making a commitment to them, and it was something that not a lot of players, I imagine, would have made um, in his position. He really showed that he wanted to be a Cavalier, and at the time, that told me that he was going to be a Cavalier for life. I-, I was convinced of that, and my worldview uh, got quickly changed. Now, obviously, adding LeBron to any team is going to to alter the dynamics and, and change that up, but I truly, in my heart of hearts, when he signed that contract, um, long term, I really believe that he was going to be a Cavalier for life and I, and I was ecstatic. Um, his departure is, is um, something that, that will hurt the fan base and, and I personally um, don't know how to feel about it. I'm still de- dealing with that and it's not going to get any better because Isaiah Thomas is going to be on the shelf for so long. If he was coming back and playing right away, I think that would be alleviated. But that long term um, heartbreak is going to be there until Isaiah comes up and, and produces on the court.
0: Not excited about Derek Rose?
2: I was going to say, if you're a point guard relationship guy, you have two new candidates to to hop on board That's, with here. Yeah. I, know. I mean, that, <laughs> what? What? They both play point guard, Mike. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it, it's true, though. But I think you're you're partially right about – or not partially. It's obviously your opinion. But you're right about the fact that it would be a little easier to see the pieces play out on game one, knowing that, okay, well, we don't have Kyrie anymore, but look at what IT does with LeBron. Um Like, the idea that Derrick Rose is somehow going to be in any way a replacement, I think that's... Dwayne Wade. Wade, Those are all, you know, that's kind of dreaming in in a lot of sense. But I want to go back to this idea, though, that you were talking about, which is, like, this was Kyrie's team, because when it was his team before LeBron, because that seems like it was a sticking point for why he left, that it wasn't his team. Um, And I want to get your opinion, Eric, there. Like, is that wrong, though, to be, like, a professional athlete who is uh, successful? On the court, successful off the court, it has not hampered his his Q factor. He is, you know, Uncle Drew. He's sprite and and marketable. Has his own Nike shoe, one of the signature you know shoes. It feels like nothing towards his brand on the court or off the court had been really affected by LeBron. And and I know a lot of the backlash was like, this is the epitome of a spoiled millennial. Like doesn't know how great he has it. Yada yada yada. And I don't fall on either side of this, but. I'm not a Cavs, you know, fan. I'm someone who's been a big fan of LeBron for a long time. I can, you know, vouch for this. Always support LeBron, and, and generally speaking, it feels like he's that 10% extra on a lot of guys' careers to get them to places they didn't know they could go, and that might include Kyrie. Um, so I want to get your thoughts on sort of that. Did we look the ultimate gift horse in the mouth here? If you're Kyrie Irving, in kind of shunning what you got back from LeBron.
3: Ultimately, I think he made the right decision for himself because I think his priorities are different. I think, you know, there are certain guys who winning is the ultimate thing. Mm -hmm. Winning multiple championships is going to be what they're focused on. And everything else is secondary. Kyrie clearly has pursuits and interests outside of the game of basketball and clearly has um, some other objectives in mind. He wants to show that he can be the man. um, Whereas, you know, if you ask the teammates of Michael Jordan, LeBron James, the people whose gravity kind of sucks up all the air in the room, a Kobe Bryant, even Um, there is always going to be that tension. There is always going to be that friction, but some guys are willing to live with that and deal with that and and compete alongside that because ultimately they know that that gives them the best opportunity to to chase a ring. Um, Do I think Kyrie Irving will uh, be able to, you know, ultimately be a contender and chase for a ring with Boston? I do. I think the team is very solid. Do I think that his best chance would have been to attach his horse to LeBron and and fix his carriage there? I also think that, too. So ultimately, his priorities seem to be elsewhere than sole focus on winning championships. Um, And I think that that decision is is a personal one. And he ultimately made the right one for what he wanted.
1: It's not what you usually see. Right. Nobody runs away from LeBron. Nobody goes after winning a title and is like, I don't like this situation. Three straight finals appearances. Right. You don't usually see this process in reverse, which is why it's tough. One thing I'm curious about is that we've learned a lot about Kyrie Irving over the last uh, two months or whatever since Mm -hmm. he made that request or whenever the heck he made it. We've learned a lot about who he is. Now that we've had time to view it, like, Chris, were you surprised – does this was this really so surprising that this happened, or were there tea leaves we missed? Yeah, like it, it was surprising to Mike and I. Like I was like, like it was surprising. <laughs> but was it surprising it to like, you who follows the team, you right? Know, were, the t- were there tea leaves we just never saw? Like, was this always? You know, we've heard more reporting indicating the answer is yes. But at the time, were you guys? I, were you as shocked as the national audience was that someone would want to demand a trade away from LeBron? Initially, yes, but the more
0: I thought about it, I I realized I don't think I should have been. I think the the thing with Kyrie is that he does think he can be the best player in the league. Like, he does feel like he can be this MVP caliber player at the level of a LeBron or a KD or a Steph. Like, he thinks he can be there, and he probably thinks he is there or it's close to that right now. He's a lot, he takes a lot from Kobe, and I think there's like positives and negatives to that. I think he, I mean, after they won the title, he called Kobe in the locker room. Yep. Like, and he, he's like millennial Kobe. Like he's a muse mm. cage. He is someone who like tries to be that. And he wants to be that. And I think he wants to have it on his own. And I think like the the seeds were planted there in some ways. I think LeBron and him were never particularly close. And I don't think, you know, when LeBron said like, I want him to take this for me someday. I don't, Kyrie wasn't like, yeah, like that's exactly what I'm going to do. He would never really committed to that. And I think Kyrie has always deep down wanted to be the guy. I mean, one of the reasons even going back to when he was just getting into the league, he bristled with the Cavs because of Deion Waiters. They drafted Dean Waiters. He there's a reporting now that you know he wanted Harrison Barnes and not Dion. And he wanted to be that guy and he pushed back against Mike Brown and stuff too. So he's probably right about yeah, that. It's probably I mean, yeah, he definitely <laughs> was.
1: And that's the that's the weird thing about him. It's just different than you would expect. I like that
2: though. In most sports, I really fully appreciate guys who are weird. Like give me the oddball. Above the normal person in almost everything. Like, I mean, like, I that, My quarterback, my, like that, my starting pitcher. Uh, Do Cavs fans want that, though? Yeah, d- I think that's exactly, sort of right. a whole different but question. I guess the <laughs> difference is like, if you were, and to keep with, say you're the, this is a football analogy, but say your quarterback's a weird dude, but you've gone to three straight Super Bowls and won one of them. You'd probably be like, okay, well, we're gonna try to keep that going because there's a chance we can go to a fourth or fifth year in I mean, a you row. You would also
1: think that the, player, the weird person would think, we wanna keep that going. Yes, like, like I don't wanna go sure. anywhere else. So that's the thing.
3: If we're dealing with this in a feedback system, though, with with actual tangible feedback and Mm. and, like Pavlovian type responses.
1: Oh, boy. Here we go.
3: Everybody (laughs) absolutely destroyed Kevin Durant for joining a super team. Just uh, uh, annihilated him, eviscerated him. His 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 reputation is is always going to be for making that move to a super team. Now, if I'm Kyrie Irving and I'm looking at this, is my legacy going to be as great being the second banana to LeBron James or Mm. should I start laying the groundwork now? to do the opposite of what Kevin Durant did, assume the the leadership, say, get on my back. This is my squad. I'm going to do this. And if he fails, he fails spectacularly. But based on the past precedent, based on what Kevin Durant had to go through and just the people who are around LeBron James, I, I really believe Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade's star was lessened by having to be um, next to LeBron James. Is Kyrie Irving making a a ballsy wrist but something that is you know that we've as fans told him that we want him to do because we definitely you know the the feedback on kevin durant was oh i can't believe he did that how could you do that he sold out well then kyrie irving is doing the exact opposite um people should be applauding him
1: it's weird how we (laughs) these feedback loops work we don't there's no logical consistency to this sort of criticism Um, but the
2: feedback loop also gets um you know, it's stuck in the mud a little bit or whatever the right... I can't think of a sound equation. It doesn't reverberate properly because it hits the Celtics wall. It hits the franchise with the second uh, most or most uh, titles in, in... Second most behind yeah, Lakers? Yeah, no, I, mean, I think they're the first. First, okay. Most titles in NBA history who already has multiple good players and and ultimately, like... I'm sorry, but... Danny Ainge's snark oh, is God, the, is the loudest ben, sound ben in, is in the NBA. is winding up the Celtics, right? Here we go. We're like, we're like <laughs> three wound podcasts. up the doll. Look, they're going to love this. this <laughs> Cavs hate the Celtics. This is, they're the arch rivals. Come on.
1: Please, um, we've
2: wound up the doll. On the, before we cap the the quick part of this Kyrie conversation and get into David Griffin and the first part of the offseason, which feels like 10 years ago now, but it was only three <laughs> months ago, um, how long until you see Kyrie Irving and Chris Feel free to take this one first. In that Celtics jersey, potentially leading them to another one seed in the East, a matchup where you might play each other in the Eastern Conference Finals. Probably will. Probably will. How many games into just the regular season will it take before you're like, all right, fuck this guy?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Probably opening, I mean, opening (laughs) night, right? Like the band-aid's getting ripped off on opening night. (laughs) Right. He's going to get booed. He's going to get booed. (laughs) He's going to get
2: booed. Yeah, he is. And And then he'll be, that'll be the mental cutoff for him. Or for the fan base.
1: I mean, for, from a caster's yeah. perspective, I can yeah. understand why he's not a particularly sympathetic character. Right. The way he basically said, I don't want to play for your team. Yeah. Uh, so, I I mean, I would think that you already don't like him. I just, it's such a... Sh-
3: yeah, for me, that's already started. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I don't have to wait till game one. It's, it's already in effect. Yeah. F that guy.
2: A little pre-planning. Good, good. Should we talk about <laughs> what they
1: got back for Kyrie Irving?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, because it feels like not even David Griffin himself, to give you a David Griffin... Uh, name drop there, could have made a trade that was basically as this, uh, you know, positive for the franchise. Like, if you're going to get rid of a Kyrie Irving, the haul back better be substantial, not just short-term, but long-term. Um, and it feels like they probably got the best value for any of the superstars that were moved uh, this offseason, with, with which we have a lot to measure against. Paul George, Jimmy Butler, etc. In getting Crowder, IT, uh, the draft pick, uh, Zizic, are you guys happy with that haul and not just happy with it for the short term, but is this a type of trade where you're like, well, this will mitigate the loss of a guy who's 25 years old and about to go into his prime
3: with LeBron James playing footsie with the franchise as he continues to do? Yeah, um, there's no there's no alternative. You have to secure a, a future. And I think that future is in that in that Brooklyn pick. So um, ultimately, if if I knew ahead of time that Kyrie Irving was gone, which at that point we did. Um, and this was the package that we get back. I can live with this. I can absolutely live with this. Um, I don't know if there's a better alternative. The only thing I'd say is if, if this was known ahead of Paul George and that discussion, um, I would have liked to be, you know, in that conversation. And, and it sounds like there was a deal with Paul George and Mello coming to the Cavs. If the sticking point was, Hey, we're giving up Kevin love for it. Um, throw Kyrie Irving there. Hell, give me, give me that trade. Um, and land me Paul George and, and Carmelo. But, um, if I, if I get back a draft pick and Isaiah Thomas proves to even be 70 or 75% of what he was, uh, Jay Crowder has a, an amazing contract. I'm ultimately happy with it.
1: Yeah, it's amazing how different this offseason could have been. The butterfly effect of so many different things with the Cavs. Because the, they had a deal for Paul George. Yeah. And it was the Pacers that pulled out. Um, so there's definitely that. And it's, it's amazing to think about what that could have been. Uh, they they kind of checked off all the boxes with this trade. I don't know if it's going to add up to, like, what... They ultimately want with all that, but they they kind of if you looked at the trades as a checklist, they hit the two boxes, and the question is whether that actually helps the team in the long run. But so, how do we feel? It's amazing we're we we kind of forgot about this because how busy the Austin was. How do we feel about the whole drama with uh, Isaiah Thomas's hip and delaying that trade?
0: It is what it is. I mean, like I don't think you were ever going to get any more from Danny H. You know, like you already got kind of everything you wanted. I was sort of surprised they got the Nets pick in in some regard just because of what that could be. And I think like you are, if you get that and you get Zizic and you get Crowder's contract, I think it's fine. And it's and it seems like right now a lot could change, but it seems like he is going to be back before the new year. And that's better than it seemed like they were talking about. It might be like there's some indication that they thought he could be out longer. There are some reportedly arthritic issues with his hip, and that's going to be a concern. But. If he comes back, and you ha- you can supplement him in other ways, and you, because you have LeBron, you can do that. I think it, it's okay. Like I don't think they needed to get more from that or should have backed out of the deal for that. I think it ended up being nothing.
1: It was weird that we wasted so much time with that. Yeah, honestly, so much time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but obviously the big concern is Thomas's hip. You know, we've we could talk a lot about Thomas, and I think the answer for a lot of this is we don't know uh, when mm-hmm. he's going to be back. But you know, Jake Crowder is a big help to them. And that's a nice piece. I think he's a little overrated, but he's kind of what they need. He's the guy who gets mm-hmm. that
2: ten percent from LeBron, though, and then whatever overrated aspect you feel about him is like, oh, well, now he becomes a better version of of himself. A little bit. He's Shane Battier for what they were. Yeah, he's sort of like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a good now. Yeah, Shane yeah. Battier. Battier was super integral part of the first title.
1: Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they don't have uh, some of the other pieces. i just, yeah, yeah no, I, I think I, that I, we got a we swung a lot the other way on Jake Crowder, but I mean, that yeah. you're right. They got a lot. I mean. I'm surprised that they got the Brooklyn pick. I'm surprised that they tried to get more after the Isaiah Thomas thing. I mean, Well, and so much of the conversation about like the Celtics this season, and this is coming off the heels, guys. We
2: did the Wizards preview like last week, and they're a team that had almost no roster turnover. Mm-hmm. And then obviously we're doing Celtics next week, and we're talking to you guys now. So much of the conversation around the Celtics, you watched, you know, their first preseason game last night. It's all these new pieces, how they're going to fit together. The Cavs have had tremendous roster turnover now. I mean, mm-hmm. LeBron is going to have to deal with a completely different type of team in, in two ways. One, defensively, you'd think a guy like Crowder could assume some responsibilities and take that lift a little bit off of LeBron. But then, an offensive standpoint, I mean, Kyrie gave LeBron the ability to take off multiple possessions, to go iso, and LeBron know that they're going to get a good look. Uh, and specifically in points of the game or in different matchups where LeBron wasn't going to get as, as strong of a look or as strong of a one-on-one. Uh, matchup, So it is It is fascinating to see. But overall, you guys would give uh, Kobe Altman a, a strong grade on his first big move in charge of the team uh, in replacing David Griffin, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah absolutely. B plus, He gets least. an A. You know, B plus and an A there? Is that what I just got? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the high marks. High marks for a young guy uh, from Brooklyn, right? So that's uh, kudos to him. We got yeah. to shout out our Brooklyn
1: uh, brethren here. I live there. Um, really fundamental <laughs> question. Are they better now yeah, than they were yeah. last year? I think they can be. I think a lot of, but a
0: lot of this is it's, I need to see what they do differently because I think one of the things that they're teasing is that they are going to play a little bit differently. Like Lewis at the first presser for Isaiah and the new guys was very clear in saying that like Isaiah is not going to just be Kyrie and they're talking about Crowder in ways that it's a little bit different and they're talking about adjusting the offense a little bit. So I think they can be better. I think they're certainly deeper. And I think they certainly have some different pieces that I think make them better. Like I think the Battier comp for Crowder is perfect for how they're going to use him. I think it's real interesting that they're going to start him. I'd love to know what you guys think about that, but I think they can be better. I think
3: one of the Cavs' biggest problems was that they couldn't go to their bench. Uh, That much was clear. Every time LeBron sat, every time Kyrie sat, um, it was a disaster. If you look at this second unit, it's hard to argue that they're not significantly improved. Um, you know let, let's assume Derek rose at at you know right around midseason is moved to the bench he's it's either him um or wade kind of running that second unit along with you know perhaps jr smith depending on if it's wade or not um tristan thompson who's now going to the bench um jeff green who you know who knows if he's if he's going to contribute or not Kyle corver um, but ultimately that is a much stronger bench unit than um, they had last year where they relied heavily on guys like Channing Fry and Richard Jefferson, who do great podcasting, but let's be honest, are just not (laughs) contributors at this point in their careers. Um, So even though the the roster construction is missing that huge piece in Kyrie Irving, um, I think spread out over the rest of the bench from, you know, one to 12, they're, they're significantly improved um, in my opinion.
2: Yeah. It's an interesting team. They have a lot of good, well, I, don't, I don't know if the right word is good, but they have a lot of guys who are going to be positionally fluid on the wing, which is the fix. Mike and I were talking about this the other day. Mike has a, a, a theory here about, and it's accurate. Most teams are kind of merging into the same thought process on how to play positionally, that there's this. Or uh, to not play positionally. Or to not <laughs> play. I guess the key is to not play positionally. Yeah. Right. And, and that deconstruction leads to having, you know, you want to have as many Schumperts, Smiths, Oh, uh, Shumpert too. That's yeah, right. I forgot Jeez. about Shumpert. I'm assuming he's coming off the bench too. I would think that he's <laughs> <Yeah>. not
1: starting,
0: <laughs> right? Right. He's, okay. he's in. Yeah, he's in their like bench unit right now, ahead of Jefferson and ahead of uh, all the other guys they have on the wing. Right. And then like Corver's a guy who, in specific
2: games, will have more value, and in other games, not as much. But it's good to have that positional flexibility with interchangeable parts that add multiple different tools. Um, you know, again, I hate to keep bringing this up. I keep mentioning the Celtics, but like it, it helps them to have a smart to protect what Kyrie is deficient at, and vice versa. And I feel like that's going to be one of the keys to this Cavs team, is that depth that Eric just mentioned was not there last year. And to be able to do that from a multitude of angles, whereas some games we need a little bit more court spacing and shooting, Korver will play 28 minutes that game. And maybe, maybe next game he only plays 15. The idea is you won't have to really wear out any of these guys to get to where you eventually want to go. And I think an important point to this Cavs team is, much like last year, it does not matter if they have home advantage. It's still, hmm. It still won't. They are not playing for the regular season. They have the time afforded to them to figure out how to make these pieces work because it's go time once the
1: playoffs well, start. I don't totally uh, agree with that. Okay. So I, I think there are two problems with the way they're set up or two complications. One is they have a lot of players, but you know, will they all accept their roles? I think that's a huge question with Wade, a huge question with Rose, a huge question with the number of their players. You know, do, What exactly is the best way to get out of get the best out of them you know can they really play one of those sort of you're in you're out of the rotation in different ways the other problem I see is that this puts I think a lot on LeBron James that I don't Mm -hmm. know I mean if he can handle all of this you know they they need him to do a lot more stuff this year than they would have if they had Kyrie Irving is it that he can't handle it this year
2: or that it will you know truncate the back end of his career more I'm just not
1: sure Which that might I mean, not be. I feel a lot better about this team if LeBron was four years younger. Sure, you know, sure. but but I think it's sort of set up as if LeBron is four years younger, well, and I'm just and he's not, so I worry about that. Know. And then to the point about like they have time to come together. Like, no, I don't. They got one year to make this work well, until no, LeBron saying, possibly leaves. But within this season, you know, if you know Thomas won't be back until speculatively January, like you have time because that's when the team becomes whole. Like, yeah, but there's still the the specter of. I mean. I just think the specter of LeBron's future is going to start to hang over this team a lot more than it has. Well, let me, let me ask you. Let me ask I you. I mean, this. maybe Casanias can disagree, but those are the things yeah. I worry about. Oh, uh, two, twofold here, and uh, Chris and Eric weigh in here.
2: Chris first. Um, number one, do you have the trust in in Tai Liu to make this work? Because it's a name we have not mentioned yet. Who has to be the cohesion to all of this? He's going to be coaching for the first time uh, in his coaching career a team that isn't solidified as the clear cut best team in the East. I mean, it, that's. Probably the, the I, I think a consensus thought here, uh, and then secondly, like, um, what 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 do we expect to have? Um, I guess I mean, the best way to say this is, but what is that rotation in your mind that makes them the best team? Like Mike just said, implementing Wade, implementing Rose, but like ultimately, if this team's going to be successful. Do either of them play major minutes? Is there is Dwayne Wade closing basketball games for this Cavaliers? Team? How
1: does Dwayne Wade feel if he is not?
0: Well, these are the questions. So, what do you think, Chris? I think personality wise, Lou is pretty equipped to to handle this because he does not mm-hmm. really one of the, his biggest strengths as a coach is that he like can connect with the guys. That's part of the reason why he got the job in the first place is that like he yeah. took over for Blatt and like could connect with LeBron and could talk to LeBron. I think, the, I think the rotation thing is a really a to-be-determined thing because, like, what is Wade going to be a quasi-backup point guard? Like, are they going to keep playing Rose once Thomas comes back? You know, I mean, one of the... I like, guess Richard Jefferson, who's like a... Even if he's not a huge... On the court presence anymore, he could get cut because they have to cut one more guaranteed salary before the season starts. And, like, it's oh, what either him or Jose called the run. I don't know. Like, it's, oh, it's no. A this is real bad. <laughs> he could just, like, hang around and drink wine with Channing, I think, so it might be fine, but, like... <laughs> They'll have to, it's to be see I think Lou can and I think there just are like I think it will change a lot. I think the two guys that I would say would be the most I'm I'd be the most concerned about would be Rose because he talked in a media day like he was still Derek Rose that won the MVP. And Wade so and Wade is Wade. Weird. And I think those <laughs> yeah. Those are two things I just Lou will have to navigate. But I think pretty much everyone else, Corver, Jeff Green. Those guys should buy, and JR will buy, and I think all those other guys should.
2: Hey, Eric, level set for me for a second. Is there a scenario where you see this taking so long to gel that they don't end up as one of the top two seeds in the East? Is there a scenario where they slip behind Washington or Toronto?
3: No, I don't. I just don't think LeBron will allow it. You know, he'll get moody in the middle of the season. (laughs) Um, He'll start taking snipes at people um, publicly or talking about how the team needs to come together. We're not there yet. But ultimately, I don't think they'll fall below number two. I mean, Washington may be able to creep up, but I I don't think um, LeBron's going to let that happen. And just, you know, at a certain point, there's so much talent. There's so much, you know, good basketball insight and and skill on a roster that you can't fall below that. Um, Golden State showed that in terms of maintaining their incredible pace, even without Kevin Durant. Um, Now, we're we're dealing with different degrees of that. But I think ultimately, there's there's enough of a, a surplus of talent on that team that, they won't fall short of two. Right. Um, but again, like, I don't think they care. I think even if they were three or four, as long as they're, you know, playing somebody in the East and not a team over in the West, they're going to be the favorites in that series.
1: So what is the impact then of LeBron's future going to hang over this season? You know, am I doomsdaying this a little bit? I mean, I mean, certainly nationally, this is the story of the year. Sure, and, and
3: I think the benefit of this year versus when he made the decision is that people... At the time he made the decision, didn't know or expected him to stay in Cleveland. Right now, everybody expects him to go. So Cavs are pl- kind of playing with house money, um, and all the fan base is kind of playing with house money. They got we we got a championship last uh, two years ago, um, and LeBron delivered on his promise. I I don't think people are as concerned about it as they were um, when he made the the decision because um, the, the ring is in the bag and. People are kind of expecting him to go. I know I am. I'm, I'm not expecting that LeBron James will be a Cavalier uh, after this season uh, unless unless they win a championship. And then maybe you re-up and, and play uh, with Dwayne Wade and maybe you can convince Carmelo and the Banana Boat uh, buddies to come over. Um, but I don't think LeBron is coming back. So I think a little bit of the pressure is off, to be honest. I don't know, Chris, maybe you you feel differently, but I don't think LeBron's
0: taking her out. I don't think anyone can, I don't think anyone can actually answer that question right now. I just I just don't. I think there's just so much that has to happen for it to to kind of to play itself in. Like Lonzo Ball has to be good, I think for LeBron to consider the Lakers a lot of ways. Like that team has to show like promise because I can't just see LeBron next summer being like, I really want to play in LA. I'm gonna punt on competing. And I think unless the Lakers have to show that his
1: own team though. I mean he can basically Yeah,
0: I mean you can get Paul George and, and whatnot, but I think like just like what if he goes back to OKC? I think there's just like a lot of things that has to happen first. I also think like the Cavs are preparing for the scenario where he does leave, and I think like the like the Nets pick, I would be shocked if they traded it this year, unless LeBron in January is like I'm I'm gonna resign right now, and I'm telling you this, but and they won't trade it. F- like their Cavs fans tweet us tweeted for the Swords account all the time that the Cavs should trade for Boogie, <laughs> because they just think that's a good idea, which it's not. But like no. they, the Nets pick, it's a terrible yeah. idea. It's a terrible idea, but. I don't think they're trading the Nets pick for maybe anything short of like another young star under a long-term contract that's already proven themselves. I, I think they're they're keeping that in case LeBron does leave, and then maybe they trade it next summer, that player, the rights to that player, if he does decide to resign. But I think they're preparing for the situation where he does leave, even if they obviously they want him to stay, and they're going to try to build him a winner with guys like Crowder, with getting weighed, and, and those type of moves.
1: The last thing I'm curious about until we kind of dive into some Twitter questions is like, a lot of this feels like this could have been avoided, right? I mean, with all the front office upheaval, with the Kyrie stuff, with, you know, the failing to execute the Paul George trade, we don't know what LeBron's going to do. And it's interesting that Eric talks about a lack of pressure now. There's, uh, this almost does feel a little bit like the stages of grief that cast fans are running through, where it's like they're trying to – there is some – they're seeing the upside in his unclear future. And it, it's good that we've rebranded that, but, like, if he leaves again i mean that's a that kind of is a disaster is it not and 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 if it if it does happen and if there's still this uncertainty like how much will do cast fans i mean have they already moved on from what happened 3 months ago i mean or is this sort of now we got the hand we're dealt and we're going to do the best we can with it i mean certainly if i were a cast fan i would kind of be still be a little be smarting about how we've gotten to the point where LeBron seemed like a, you know, I'm going to stay my whole career in Northeast Ohio to whatever has been leaking out over the last three months.
3: Yeah. Shopping for uh, schools in in Los Angeles. Well, I mean, you know, after the decision it's, it's kind of uh, BC and, and, or BD and and AD after the decision, there really is um, uh, the world is, is completely different. And now that we're looking at this off season, Um, LeBron is, is the one who holds all the cards. You know, we can talk about what the Cavs, uh, did in trades and the assets that they got, but this all hinges on LeBron and kind of the whole NBA kind of hinges on LeBron. Wherever he goes is going to be an instant contender. Um, maybe it's not going to be, you know, as dominant as the Cavs squad that he has, but if he can lower Paul George to Los Angeles, I have a feeling they will be pretty damn good. Um, so LeBron holds all the cards and because he's not making that kind of commitment. And I understand this from Kyrie Irving's perspective as well. If LeBron had committed, I think that conversation would have been different, but because LeBron's not committing, it's hard as somebody who supports the Cavs to feel like there's an expectation. It's hard for me to put it on the, on the franchise. If LeBron is the one who's dictating the terms and because he refuses to kind of engage that, um, I, I, I don't know how to feel about it. I, my, I think I've reached, as you said, in the stages of grief, I've, I think I've reached acceptance that <laughs> this is it. And um, maybe we get revived uh, after the, the this season's over. But I've accepted that LeBron could move on and and we have to start planning for that.
2: It's interesting because LeBron is, in a lot of ways, the, the leader of the movement and the personification of it as well, which is the player empowerment mm-hmm. movement, deciding where you're going to go the the idea that free agents get to dictate not just where the, where they're going to go but who else is going to go with them, um, and in my head I also think that he's so smart and so fully aware of his own physical limitations as he's going to age that I I have a tough time envisioning him still even with all the rumors and looking for a school you know in in Los Angeles and part of that's because that's where his primary residence is so that you know that could be like many NBA players I should say they live in California in the summertime in the off season um, that could just be you know part of that but it is hard for me to imagine LeBron objectively looking at the league, the trends, where players are currently situated in Oklahoma City, Golden State, Houston. San Antonio, I'm sure, is not going to be short for moves at some point in the near future with the Marcus Aldridge contract. And obviously Kawhi is already there as a head-to-head matchup for LeBron. So I got to be honest. I look at the tea leaves and I'm like, well, this guy is so smart and he has made one shrewd decision after another for his career. Why would he position himself where the back end of his career, where his physical limitations are going to become more apparent, to have to play against the toughest competition, to give him no guarantee of even being in the championship or in the East or Western Conference Finals? Should he go to Los Angeles,
1: like you said, with the uh, he could a, go anywhere. He though. could well in the East. Well, I, important uh, so here. but he could be. See, I think that's true, but I also think the conference dev- – I mean, like, obviously it would be nice to make the finals or lose in the West finals, but there isn't – I don't know if there's necessarily this.
2: But, like, how much shorter is his career if you were to bring it back 10 years? Everything's happened in the West. He's playing first, second, and third-round matchups that matter as opposed to, like, last
1: year's playoffs, for example.
2: They got to play a preseason schedule until the Celtics.
1: I guess it And depends. they've treated it like that. I guess that. it depends where he goes. I mean, he's – this is the thing about all these rumors is that he's probably – he could basically import his own team wherever the heck he wants. Right, it's well, just true, a matter yeah. of where and who. I mean, he could. There's probably a move on the chessboard we're not even thinking of that he's noodling and. But the key
2: through. to that chess analogy,
1: though, is he's no longer the only queen
2: on the board. Yeah, I guess that's you know, the way and, you're looking and at and it. It would be, be fascinating.
1: I mean, I'm just fascinated by what how the opinion of him, like like Eric was saying. There is not as much ill will if he were to leave. Mm -hmm. It's a very different time in the league, and he started that. And you look at all these – it's almost like everybody is desensitized this idea that stars will just kind of go where they want. And it's, I think that's great, but it's it's interesting how we thought that he could never come back and leave again. And we've gone from that to everyone sort of understands if he were to leave in just a short amount of time. We'll take a quick break, though. We've got some really good Twitter questions to dive into some more deep, deep stuff with this cast team. This is a limited upside podcast.
2: Today's podcast is sponsored by Dollar Shave Club, and we always appreciate having them come aboard Keeping this podcast going, and they are a great sponsor to have because it's a product that Mike and I hold near and dear to our hearts because we use them. And by now, everyone knows that Dollar Shave Club ships amazing razors for just a few bucks. Um, I've been a member for a while, not just since they've been sponsoring this podcast, but previous to that, I had used the product, loved the product, and I love the shave that I get. Um, And what you might not know, and I didn't, honestly, this is something that had escaped me, is that Dollar Shave Club also has products for pretty much everything else that I need in the bathroom. That's body wash, shampoo, hair gel, even though I'm a bald guy. So I don't use the hair gel as much, but Mike has beautiful flowing locks and loves that hair gel. Things like lip balm, literally everything you could think of for hygiene, Dollar Shave Club now has you accounted for. Uh, And as soon as I heard
1: Dollar Shave Club had stuff other than those razors, I was sold. And let me tell you how excited I am, because you know what the most embarrassing thing to do is with these products, to go to the store, ask for advice from someone without any idea what is good hair product, what is good lip balm, and then the salesperson is like, yeah, I don't really know what this stuff is. This is so much easier. You just get it set in the mail. They deliver it right to your door. Super high quality. And you know what? You don't have to make any choices or Show the world that you're getting these products and you actually have no idea what's in them. (laughs) I hate having too many choices.
2: To be honest, I like things selected for me that come right to my door because we're busy. We're doing this podcast. You're editing the NBA. I'm doing my sales job. The last thing we do is have time to get to like a CVS. So here's what we'd love for all of our listeners to do. If you're like me, you're sick of the nonsense at the store like I just talked about. You don't want to go and schlep after work. You want to go home and live your life. Now is the time to try out Dollar Shave Club. For a limited time, Dollar Shave Club is basically giving away their starter set to new members. So if you've not joined before, please, this is the opportunity for you. For only $5, this starter set features their Executive Razor, three trial-sized versions of their most popular products that help you stay fresh and clean. We already talked about those products. It's the full uh, the full myriad of things that you will want for your daily hygiene. It's the best way to stay fresh and clean. Uh, if this is your first box, you'll receive... The Shave Butter, the Body Wash, uh, the One Wipe Charlie's
1: Butt Wipes. Oh, man, those are those are great. And, and as someone great. who
2: has had many friends who have screwed up the plumbing at our bathrooms because of different baby wipes, these are the actual butt wipes for you. Oh, for we have experience bottle.
1: with these things. Don't yes. worry.
2: Mike, you might say that's the bottom line. See how we did that? <laughs> great. All right. You will also receive their Executive Razor, which includes their premium weighty handle, perfectly made so that you can have that that exact shave you're looking for a full cassette of cartridges uh, and after the first box replacement cartridges are sent for only a
1: few bucks a month but this offer is exclusively available through the limited upside podcast you go to dollarshaveclub.com slash upside as in the thing we don't have a lot of (laughs) as dollarshaveclub.com slash upside to take advantage of this deal We're back. Limited Upside Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. There's a lot to talk about with this one. We've got Chris Manning from Fear of the Sword. We've got Eric Jackman. He's the producer of the MMA Hour uh, with MMA Fighting and R. L. Helwani. He's also a huge Cavs fan. We've already hit, I think, the big, big topics with this team. Now we're going to get into some of the more nitty-gritty stuff because there is a lot of, while the big things are really important with how the Cavs are this year, it's how can you not talk about that stuff. There are a lot of interesting sort of, like we've sort of hit on, the rotation questions, what does this team look like? Let's start with this topic, and Chris, I'm curious to hear from you first. The Cavs recently made a starting lineup change. Kevin Love is starting at center, Tristan Thompson coming off the bench. Um, Is this going to be a permanent move?
0: I think at least for a large portion of the year, yeah. Like I could see it changing down the line. I could see it changing depending on who they're playing, if they want to go with something more traditional and and what's really been the the staple of their lineups the last couple of years. But I do think what they, what Lou is trying to do is to do a better version of what they did in the playoffs last year defensively, which is just have LeBron playing free safety. They're Mm going to have Crowder defend the opposing team is the best scorer, So the Gordon Haywards of the world in the East, Uh, probably, you know, other small forwards, like when they play the Warriors, it'll be Durant. LeBron's going to play free safety. They want to take some of the burden off of him on that end, and, and I think they like what Tristan can bring off the bench, and and maybe that kind of limits his wear and tear a little bit too because he did last year just kind of take a beating as a starting center because he's not a behemoth. Like He's big, but he's not overly huge, and I think him coming off the bench with Wade with other guys should be something that I, th- I think makes sense. And I, I think Lou's trying to play a little bit smaller and faster in a way that he hasn't really been able to before.
1: Who do you think the other stars are going to be?
0: I think when everyone's healthy, it'll be Isaiah,
1: Jr., LeBron, Crowder, Love. And then Dwayne Wade and Rose off the bench. Um, what about before Isaiah gets healthy? Do you think who will start in his place? I think it'll be Rose. They've, that's what they've said as much. Alou has said that as
0: much. And they, In practice so far, Wade has been working with the second unit. In the wine and gold scrimmage, he worked with the second unit instead of playing with the starters. So, I mean, that's early and a lot could still change and stuff probably will change because Lou likes to tinker a little bit, but I think Rose will probably start.
1: It's striking that we haven't mentioned Kevin Love's name once in this preview. <laughs> but didn't we say <laughs> so that last year too? Yeah, we, yeah Kevin we Love is just – you're right. We always forget to talk about this yeah. guy.
2: And then he's ultimately – you know, he's extremely important. He's the second best player on this team. Yeah, and yet he still leaves you like <laughs>
1: underwhelmed even though he does well, really uh, good m- stuff.
2: I, look, Eric, I want to get your opinion on this. It scares me a little bit for Kevin Love's longevity and overall health, which is something that has never been – You know, at the top of his list of attributes, that he's going to be playing center. There are some big physical players in this league. There are guys who are not just you know larger than him in in actual size, but athletically speaking, he's going to be in an interesting place now. And I'm I'm thinking out loud as uh, you know as Chris is mentioning that they're going to be starting Isaiah Thomas and Kevin Love in the same five, and thinking that is two of your five pieces are defensively
1: pretty negative. Not to mention if they play Wade with those guys too or Corver finds some court time in right. that mix like yeah. there
2: there's an interesting both lack of defense and then at the same time some guys who are you know superlative the good defensive players like Crowder and LeBron and to a lesser extent Shumpert and JR when he's locked in so i guess Eric my question for you is should we be a little concerned with Love being exposed at center defensively and that maybe mitigating what he can do then on the other end
3: no, because I think ultimately this league is doubling down on offense mm-hmm. across the board. Everybody is essentially saying we need to spread the floor. We need to double down on offense and defense is going away in the past. Like there's no more 65, 64 pistons, uh, Pacers games where everybody's grinding it out. So the Cavs are definitely at a deficiency in ribbon protection. There's no doubt about it. I don't think that's a deficiency they can overcome. So to maximize what Kevin love is going to do and draw those opposing centers out to guard him on the perimeter, and conversely allow him to have the foot speed to keep up with uh, the defenders on the defensive end. I think it's the best position he's going to be in. Now. I do think there is uh, a concern about his health, a concern about wear and tear, because I don't, I just don't think he's built for a full season. Um, It's unfortunate, but it's true. Mm -hmm. But in terms of maximizing what he's going to be able to do on defense and offense, I think it's the only position that he can play. And Tristan Thompson, while I think he's worth every single dollar of his contract is ultimately a bench player. I think he, and, he, and I think he can bring that energy and be better off the bench. So I love this move. Um, I do think they will suffer on defense, but I think the, the offensive uh, efficiency will make up for it.
1: Love's probably better as a five defensively than as a four at this point. In his career. Mm-hmm. not that he's good at either, but, but you know, <laughs> yeah, Um, But he's probably better as a positionally taking charges, not having to chase the fours around. That's true. Like he's probably if you played this lineup against the Warriors in the finals and it's not Draymond at center, that's probably good for him to have to guard whoever their five is. That's true. Puts you far less, uh, you know, in the island defending pick and roll. Right. So um, it's probably a good move. With uh, that
2: in mind, let's assess the competition. This is something that ooh, yes. we've been uh, tiptoeing around. I've mentioned a few times that uh team from Boston – And their whiny GM, Um, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) those
1: Celtics fans listening to this podcast, Uh,
2: preach. (laughs) Yeah, see, wow,
1: they agree. You know, Ben's gonna go on the Celtics podcast and talk about the whiny Cavaliers. (laughs) No way,
2: no way. (laughs) I I am so far in LeBron's corner. It's it's sickening to me at this point. But uh, or I should say, I I still love it. I'm not sick about it at all. But with that in mind, corner of the earth, (laughs) yeah, the circular earth. (laughs) Um, with, With that in mind, guys, let's let's assess that matchup. Let's um. I don't want to discredit the Wizards because, actually, as Mike knows, I'm usually the optimistic one. Mike is a Wizards fan. You guys know this. Uh, I'm the one who's usually more supportive of the Wizards, although this year Mike is pretty supportive. But let's let's actually diagnose that Celtics Lies. matchup. Um, you are. You, be, okay, Mike probably. had them at, like, 53 wins or something like that. Which, no, 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 no. Okay. I, I had them lower than everyone else. Oh, you did you? Yeah. All right. Well, whatever. All right. Point being, let's assess the Celtics. Um, we just kind of touched on that Crowder would be the one guarding uh, guarding Hayward. Um, that in that matchup, you know, look, Horford and Love, I feel like that's probably the best place for Love to be defending is a guy like Horford who does not
1: uh, wow you with his athleticism at this oh, no, point. No, I think that's a bad matchup. He's going to – why? Horford because likes Horford, to play around the perimeter. Yeah, I think that's a bad matchup for Kevin Love. I think it's he's far better against someone who doesn't want to play on the perimeter and he doesn't have to – has the foot speed to close out. I'd rather well, – Horford's slow. No, Horford is not slow. Hor- Horford and Love. That's a mat- Horford and Love and they you know, That's a matchup to I think that's bad for the Cavs. Really? Yeah. I, I don't think I Cor- definitely think so. Think Horford is liberated. Horford is well I'm a huge Al Horford fan, but I think that's I'm uh sure. I think it's a bad matchup. You want Kevin Love playing against a bigger, slower player, the kind of traditional centers where he doesn't have to move. Yeah. That's the whole point of moving the center. Well, here we go assessing the situation here. So
2: that's one matchup. <laughs> the Hayward crowders another matchup. Um Obviously, Kyrie and Derrick Rose, Kyrie and Isaiah, Ike, Kyrie and, uh, and Dwayne Wade. I don't know where Wade really guards at this point, but right. let, let's break that down. How do you guys think this matchup has swayed with the player movement over this offseason, And do you still think that uh, the Cavs are in the upper upper hand in, in that uh, in that matchup, Chris? I think
0: the Cavs are still better. Um, I would I would I would say that Love. And Horford, like, Love has done really well against Horford the last couple playoffs. And I think, I don't think that can be discounted. Well, that's really, true, I but that found, was Al
1: Horford at the four.
0: Well, you still, I mean, you still have Tristan Thompson to come in and, and deal with Horford, too. Like, I think the Cavs will have that rebounding advantage still. I who, And who does Boston have to guard LeBron? Yeah, see, like, that's Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart. That's really the thing that do I do
1: it. That's no. the thing that I think gives Cleveland its biggest advantage is that they do not, the, the Celtics don't have Crowder anymore to guard LeBron. <laughs> yeah.
3: Right. I think as we and we talked about this earlier, I think as we transition to this kind of positionless basketball period, the Kyrie versus Isaiah, the Horford versus Love becomes less and less relevant, and it's about which team can execute um, as a group um, more so than this guy is going to face this guy and can he contain him yeah. ultimately? Um, and, and I think it's even simpler than that. Even uh, not to oversimplify it, but I truly, truly believe in my heart of hearts that as long as LeBron has proven that he can and until he proves otherwise, the East runs through LeBron and you won't, you can't tell Mm -hmm. me otherwise you have to dethrone him before I believe otherwise he will find a way. Yeah. Um, and, And every year, every single year, Oh, it, we, you know, when, when the bulls had all those assets and Derek Rose was, was healthy and MVP form, it was going to be the bulls. Then it was Paul George and the Pacers. Then it was the wizards are on the rise. There's always some East contender that's coming up and LeBron consistently steps on their throat. I'm really not concerned about the Celtics or the Wizards this year, as good as, as the Celtics are. And as much respect as I have for um, Bradley Beal and John wall, I probably think I would take. Um, John Wall over Kyrie, but maybe I'm a little biased at this point. Oh, interesting. Um, huh.
1: I, I don't. <laughs> Would you have said <laughs> that don't. three months ago? I plead the
3: fifth. I plead <laughs> the fifth on that. But I, I, long story short, I'm getting a little long winded, but I don't think anybody will dethrone LeBron. And until they do, I'm not going to believe that they will.
1: So I wonder the matches are going to be fascinating in this series. I mean, if, if I almost wonder if you put LeBron on Al Horford because I, mm-hmm. the Celtics, it, I think that the Celtics are going to be better in the regular season. I think their offense is going to be better in the regular season. I think in the playoffs, I think the LeBron factor, who do they guard, who who can the Celtics actually play that gives that has the fewest tradeoffs? I think is going to be a real challenge for them. Um, and you know, Kyrie can get buckets, and he will be able to get his hoops. But yeah, there is someone to knock Hayward out of the game. I also think Hayward is going to be exhausted having to guard LeBron, probably a lot mm-hmm. of the time. So I like the Cavs in that matchup. I think the Celtics will have a better record, though. Are there any—and I want to ask this to Mike and Chris here.
2: Are there any buyout candidates that you think could sway either of these teams or
1: buoy them, I should say? I think probably more in Boston's than if they can get another big guy. Yeah. Um, but you know, when has a buyout candidate ever really swayed stuff? I, I mean, Cavs have uh, lived off the buyout. Whenever they ever made a difference. I mean— their their biggest
0: additions have been trades. J.R. Smith, yeah. Channing Frye, right. yeah, sure. like those guys have all been trades. Yeah,
2: I guess Darren Williams was oh. a buyout, and he he was amazing in the finals. So, <laughs> <laughs> I was just, just I think By if way, Darren Williams is not on a basketball team. Right yeah, I was now, gonna so. say I think I'm playing against him next week in my rec league. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, I, I like, like your odds. <laughs> like chances.
1: Do uh, you want to get some questions? Yeah. You
2: got any uh, good Twitter yeah, questions? Yeah, we got some there?
1: great Twitter questions from, you can always tweet us at limited underscore upside. Uh, this one is from uh, Courtney Kennedy. Do we think that there's any chance that they trade Love or Isaiah Thomas this year? Chris? I'm going to say no, because
0: I think, I think it would have to just be for a certain guy. Like, I think they're willing to trade love for Paul George and Jimmy Butler. And I don't think that caliber of players out there. And I just, and if you wanted to trade Isaiah, like, in a vacuum, him for, like, Eric Bledsoe would make a lot of sense right. if you could do it for the Cavs. But is his trade value on an expiring contract with that hip at all valuable? So I just don't think there's, like, really workable deals for either player.
1: Makes sense. It feels like we're always talking about love as a trade candidate, um, but they never actually do it. Last man standing. Yeah, Kevin yeah. Love. It's amazing. So, um,
2: someday the NBA will be long, long gone, and Kevin Love will just be showing up to the gym, taking some corner threes, putting up
3: eighteen and ten. Quietest <laughs> eighteen and ten in the league forever. Putting up
1: eighteen and ten. With, uh, what the chocolate milk uh, mustache or whatever <laughs> was involved yeah. in? Yeah. Uh, what the
2: what the what the hell? How did chocolate milk find its way into like the energy drink game? It's an insane loves thing. It. It's just it's one of those things where it's no like. I have no idea, Ben. Fully this is endorsed, your world, not mine. I <laughs> they have, have no idea. Fully endorsed NBA <laughs> and NFL athletes. They're like, in my head, I'm like, if they actually drank chocolate milk and then had to go like run a 40, you'd just be seeing a guy vomiting. But yeah. anyhow, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cramping let's, up. Jesus, hey, uh, uh, Eric, If uh, and this is from uh, Jesse Brown, so we appreciate this. Uh, again, all these questions. Always fantastic because I think they hit on what we like to do here, which is both uh, one part comedy, two parts actual basketball. Um, <laughs> one of one of Golden State's big Ooh, four like gets injured. Any one of them. And you can tell me which one you think gives them the best chances. Do the Cavs win? It seems like the best uh, that and only chance that they'll have is what he notes here. But one of the big four gets injured, any one of them. Pick which one you think gives the uh, Cavs the best chance or if it even matters.
3: I think if Durant goes down, the Cavs have a shot. Um, I think if Steph Curry goes down, the Cavs have a very minuscule shot. I think if clay or Draymond goes down, the Cavs still don't have a shot. Interesting. Um, it's going to take something like that. Um, I think, you know, I, I respect Draymond a lot. I don't think he's as important at this point in the game. I think Kevin Durant has become the most important piece for them. Um, I know when he was out, they were able to chug along. But if they met the Cavs in the finals, I think without Durant, the Cavs would have been able to do it. Um, so, yes, uh, with without Durant and without Curry, yes.
1: Interesting. I'm not sure I totally agree with all that. I think in, in last year's finals, Durant was a difference maker. I think if Draymond is still incredibly important to them, uh, just because... Mm-hmm. There is sort of the combination of him and Durant on the defensive end, and they don't have anyone. I mean, if Draymond's not there, they don't have their ability to play, their style of play. (laughs) I think that if Durant goes down, it's probably 50-50. If Steph goes down, I think the Cavs are favored. I think Because I think Steph is actually more unique and fundamental to how they play than Durant is. Durant is an amazing player, but he's sort of like the super – He's kind of the super Harrison Barnes, and so the Warriors are still really damn good. Super, super. super yeah, I mean, super, 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 I mean. But the, stylistically, he kind of plays that role. I think Draymond would going down would give the Cavs a decent shot. Don't think it would make a huge difference with Clay. So I actually think it's still Steph and Draymond that would make the biggest difference for them if they go down.
3: Let me just reply to that. You tell me how you feel. I think the Cavs wouldn't be able to take advantage of the absence of Draymond. Uh, of Draymond in a, in a significant enough way. Was Whereas that? I think, the, well, I just don't, I think their offense is either going to, going to operate the way it is or it's not. And I think Draymond, um, and, and they're going to either grind out those games or not. I think Draymond's presence will, will affect it in, in one direction or the other. But I think the pressure that Durant and Curry are going to put on them defensively is going to make Isaiah Thomas and, and, um, Kevin love guard, um, is more significant than, what they're going to be able to, to gain in offense with Draymond out. I just mm. don't think, I don't think this Cavs offense is as high powered um, as it needs to be to take advantage of Draymond being out. I don't think they could blow the doors off. Whereas I think if, if they see the opportunity, if their eyes get wide, when Durant is not coming down the court and draining pull up threes to win games for them um, or Steph Curry, similarly, I think they'll be able to play a little bit looser and and take some of that pressure off. I think their defense sucks quite frankly, I just think it's going to be terrible. It's going to be an abomination and anything to mitigate that will really, really help them.
1: Hmm. Well, in the finals, it certainly was Durant making the bigger difference. Yeah. So, uh, there's that, uh, let's see. I have a question here. Uh, CD Osman, a uh, oh. real or fake person.
2: <laughs> oh, just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, wait, I do want to ask uh, <laughs> that. That's the real question. right I, just... I,
1: I will save that one for last. Here's a, here's a more serious question from Jacoba Pellegrinelli. Uh, D-Wade, Derek Rose, are they going to play together a lot? Like, how is that possibly going to work as a combination?
0: It won't work. Like, that's, like, the, <laughs> that's the problem. Because, like, the, they're just, they're neither of them provides any spacing. Rose has to have the ball in his hands. Wade has to have the ball in his hands. I don't know how they're going to make that work. Because I, I really don't think they should play together. They're And they're both bad defensively. Like, you know, they're both going to get attacked, they right. and, and roll. That's right. Like I, I, don't see the upside. I don't, I don't really see the upside of Derrick Rose on this team at all. Like I don't even think he's a like I don't think he's a good fit with LeBron. I think he's the opposite of what has been the type of backup point guard that's really worked with LeBron. If you go back to Delhi, it's the guys who could defend and shoot threes. Rose does neither of those things.
1: That's true. Although you run out of choices at a certain point in the free agent market. It's true.
0: With Isaiah out,
3: I think Rose can competently run the first unit alongside LeBron and Dwayne Wade kind of, you know, mixes in, in, in a combination of second unit and sometimes starter minutes, but maybe from the bench um, with a healthy Isaiah Thomas, I really don't see where Rose can even be on this team. It doesn't really make sense mm-hmm. to me. Um, so that's ultimately where, where I land, but it, it's going to be an interesting to one to, to find out if, if Dwayne Wade can willingly accept running the, the show from with the second unit and from the bench, um, I think Rose gets squeezed out, and I think the Cavs are, are ultimately pretty good uh, in the second unit.
0: Never forget that the Cavs signed Jose Calderon on the first day of free agency and then signed Derek Rose three weeks later.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, hey, you gotta love those hams, that ham that Jose cooks up. Uh, who closes? This is also from uh, Cor- uh, Courtney Kennedy. Who closes between JR and Wade? Uh, is Wade gonna play in the closing lineup most often or no? I think they both
0: could close, which is not really answering the question, but I would say they both probably would end up closing. I, I think, like, Wade, depending on Isaiah, I guess, Wade and JR, I think, could play together in a closing lineup. But oh. I think, I, I just, I think, like, Wade can nominally play the point point. you could hide him on against certain teams. Like, I think you could probably get away with him against Smart with, with JR shifting onto Kyrie, and then you just figure that out. But mm. I mean, they've had JR and Steph a lot the last couple of years when they've needed to, so I think they both could close. I, I think it's not going to be one or the other. I think in the other lineups, it might be one or
1: the other. All right. And now the question that our longtime listener, Corbin Ford Watson, asked us, uh, We please spend as little time as necessary on this question. <laughs> um, <laughs> you guys are familiar with the game uh, Do Mary Kill, yes? Yes. Yeah. So we've been playing in a lot of these teams that have maybe younger talent uh, and trying to figure out where they fit in the pecking order. We've been playing a game called Max Play Trade. We pick one to max, one to kind of see what they got, and one to get rid of. Corbin Ford Watson asks, "Max play trade Ante Zizic, K Felder, and Walter Eddie Tavares. Which one are you maxing? Which one are you playing? And which one are you trading? It's a very important question.
3: Maybe I'll start. Um, I'm going to trade K Felder. No, you know what? I'm going to trade Zizic because I think he still has some value as as." Um, a mysterious option. Okay. I'm going to max uh, Eddie Tavares wow. because I'm going to keep him around for team photos because he's the greatest thing ever, um, <laughs> and just his his imposing size is going to provide value to the franchise in opportunities that have nothing to do with playing basketball. And like what I'm going like when the just NBA you know the- having him hang around he's the, he's the Cavs lurch he's going to answer the doors maybe he's going to um, pick pick up large object and move them. Um, I, think there, I think there's values that he can do outside of, of basketball.
2: And when they talk about, like, um, the team's average height, they need him because, like, you know, without it, it drops to, like, 6'8". Well, the other, well,
1: I mean, the mm-hmm. other thing, though, is uh, this is the other factor you have to consider. Kay, if you trade K Felder, then Isaiah is the shortest player on the team. That's true. <laughs> That's true.
3: Yeah, well, I'm playing K Felder. I'm okay. trading Zizic, I'm playing Felder, and uh, I'm maxing out uh, – uh, Eddie Tavares. Are they the two
1: shortest guys yeah, in the NBA? I think so. Yeah. How
3: about that? Yeah. I mean, how, what
1: are the odds that Isaiah Thomas wouldn't be the shortest player on his team? How, when how, is much, that how many players are in the NBA? <laughs> One in that. Well, no, but I mean, in his entire life. When was yeah, the yeah. last time you think Isaiah Thomas was not the shortest player on his on his basketball team? And he was like six. Seven years <laughs> <eight>. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It was
3: before that photo with him and Kevin Love. It was two years before that. <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: yeah, that's crazy. exactly. Well, um, it's funny. I was I was talking with uh, one of the guys I work with here in sales. Uh, Rich Rich Cohn was like, "Yeah, I, I played center my whole life." He's like six four from Westchester, New York, and he's like, and then and then it became seventh grade, uh, and everybody, <laughs> and so then point guards were my height, and I was like, "Yep." I better stop playing basketball. So it's true, though. Like, it is funny how you see these guys. And then there's the opposite, which is when you get the Anthony Davises of the world
1: who were short playing point guard and then becoming. That's right. Yeah.
2: And that's usually what the, the ratio yeah. you're looking for. Anyhow, we digress.
1: Yeah. One last question I want to ask. I want to hear each of you predict the uh, mini scandal that breaks in February. That um, What is the subject of the LeBron this year's LeBron tweet drama?
0: <laughs> uh, Dwayne Wade drank all the good wine. <laughs> that's the drama Ooh, that's a
3: really good one.
1: Dwayne Wade drank all the good ones. That is one. a really
3: good one. Uh, um, go mine is LeBron leads the charge and with of the Cavaliers and splits from Versa Climber. No, no more Versa Climber in the <laughs> CAS practice facility. What is this? <laughs> oh,
0: oh man, man. Think... Versa Climber is the essential LeBron James slash Cleveland Cavaliers workout equipment. It is like they're the only people ever that use one in Cleveland. It has become a, like a gym marketing thing that to have mm. a Versa climber. Um, and LeBron, if you go in his Instagram story in the summer, half the time he's just on the Versa climber, like bragging about Whoa. how he's on a Versa climber. Interesting.
3: He's going to part ways with Versa climber. It's going to be a big. Um, it's going to be the second biggest behind Kyrie. It's going to be the second biggest split. Um, of the Cavs season
1: yeah is this um something that like the Dan Gilbert is invested in or something is that why it... oh
0: yeah they have him at the training
1: facility right so okay but so so the idea would be that he would post like Instagram videos of him working out on some other thing and you would try, yeah. you would think Chuck it's a Norris. subtweet he'd be a subtweet to Dan Gilbert and that's how the drama yeah, would start the Chuck
3: Norris, like, total action thing or whatever the hell it was from, from the 90s, he's going <laughs> to be on
2: that.
1: Yeah, Chuck Norris, total gym. Total gym. Yeah. I li- that That's is it. good. That is good. Dude, the the subtweets are... this time will be conducted via exercise equipment. Yo, these climbers are, like, $3,000 a piece. I'm looking at it yeah. now.
3: Cavs, Cavs invested heavily.
0: <laughs> I'm just insane. Yeah. Like, Wait, how many do they have? They have one for every player. Yeah. Oh, wow. If at least. And then so
1: you know, that's yeah. $3,000 times 15. That's a $45,000 expenditure. Oh, it's not so much the money when you're talking about billion dollar franchises. It's just I'm looking at it and it's not much
2: equipment. It's just like, uh, you know, a couple of things you put your feet in and then your arms go up, legs go up, like you're climbing a mountain. It's it's funny though because you know how LeBron replicates uh, the gyms that he's played at for his professional teams at his homes, right? He has like the exact replicas. Mm-hmm. Where he can do the exact workout. This really simplifies that. You can just put this in like your basement and go from there. Yeah. no
1: no matter, this is still going to be the subtweet drama. He's yeah. gonna it's going to be on a losing streak. He's going to be mad at Dan Gilbert because they don't trade the Brooklyn pick and to get him help. And he's going to start filming himself working out in Miami in a, with a different exercise equipment. I, I love one. this. This is great. I, I can already see this happening. So this one actually might happen,
2: what you just said. Uh, <laughs> mine is uh, LeBron will get upset that – he, he'll notice that in every picture he takes with Kevin Love, Kevin Love's eyes are closed. And he's going to take that <laughs> – roll with me on this. He's going to take that as, a, as a, a, an analogy of some kind or like a, a, um, a parable or whatever the mm-hmm. word might be that hmm, his eyes are closed. He's not thinking uh, openly. He's not uh, – I don't know, projecting. He's not looking to fit in. Looking, he's not looking to fit in. That's why we're a team here, Mike. Um, and that will be the drama. He'll put something and it's going to be like an eyeball he's going to tweet out. And it's going to be like the the human eye is capable of seeing every color and every angle from a 360 degree. And then it's going to be like, hashtag, keep your eyes open or look, look, look yeah. forward.
3: Yeah, I have to tell you, that sounds like a Charlie Rosen missive from like the Phil Jackson Knicks <laughs> era. Like that sounds yeah. straight up, like yeah. straight out of the Charlie <laughs> Rosen playbook. It does
2: seem very phyllis,
3: yeah. Or it could be an, it could
1: be like a wake up type of thing. Like yeah. wake up to how bad we're playing, Kevin Love. <sighs> I'm oh, sorry, I these of are great. To be a part of this. I, yeah. I, I'm now rooting for this stuff. <laughs> that is, these are some great ideas. You guys really brought it with that. Um, so thank you.
2: Right, last, we'll last do,
1: question, banana boat. Yeah, uh, yeah.
2: Or we could do that real, real quick. And I just want to get this is a before banana boat because during the banana boat we will get the um, the genesis of uh, Eric's fandom here as well, but. Ooh. Yes, but before we do that, let's do one quick hypothetical. Um, and again, uh, Eric, I'll let you take this first one. Would you rather LeBron lead the Cavs to a, a second title this year and then leave 100% wins title, leaves, or fall short but pledges to end his career in Cleveland?
3: Ooh, that's a great one. Um, my particular perspective on this will come from. LeBron has never been kind of my favorite player on the Cavs at any one given point. I've always had somebody that I valued above him. Mm-hmm. Now I do grant that he's the best player in basketball, and, and I would rather have him on my team than not. But I think based on that, I'm seeing that the downside will at some point come ahead. Um, I would take the ring, the short-term
0: uh, ring, and let LeBron walk. Right. Interesting. Chris? I'm the opposite. You've got the one <laughs> ring. Uh, and I would like to see LeBron... Keep taking this on, continue to, to age, and just like things are more interesting to cover and think about when he's around. And having watched the Cavs after he left, uh, and that's like my mom, like a lot of my formative years, just watching that Manny Harris, Semi Earden, Christian Skyenga teams. Uh, I'm, I'm good if LeBron could just stick wow. like, around until he retires.
2: Those are three actual NBA players. Well, his name was
1: not uh, Skyenga. To be clear, it was ienga His Iyenga. nickname Iyenga. was Skyenga because why he jumped yeah. really high once.
3: Yeah, yeah, he was a great yeah, dunk, one con- time. dunk contest winner. Wait, what? What dunk he's contest? Not, did he not win? NBA dunk contest. He won some like you know, um, foreign <laughs> league. Um, you know, filmed on a handy cam from the from the baseline dunk contest. Um, so he's got some hops.
2: Rim, Rim may or may not have been ten
1: feet. Yeah, stuff
3: like that. <laughs> how dare you! What, what dare dunk you? did he win with? Oh, I don't think it was anything that impressive. I think he did jump very high, but I don't think there was any like you know kias involved or anything like that. It may have been like a simple windmill, but with some some decent ups on it. Yeah. Um. But uh, th- that was like the footage that everybody Ooh. was salivating over Ayanga when they drafted him. It was like, oh, he had this one dunk once. It was it was really great. <laughs> so,
1: 2014 Slam Dunk yeah. Contest.
2: Like the Turkish,
1: I feel league. like he jumped over Jimmy Dugan in uh in the air up there. Um, <laughs> oh, let's see. I'm, I'm watching his routine. for everyone. Oh, hmm? you watching? watching his I'm watching his routine at this uh at this thing in 2014. I mean, he oh, wait, Here, here's a better video. All right, oh, no, you guys a pretty, conti- it's a pretty good dunk. We just guys continue it. as it's, I watch right, Christian Iyengar slam. Dunk <laughs> let, get to the, uh, let me get to the other uh, the other question
2: we do on all of these, and I want to give the floor to, to Eric in a, in a minute because uh, guys, Eric is not from Cleveland, but is as big as we've mentioned, Cleveland. Cavaliers fan as there is, and and there's a reason for that, and I think we're going to be able to tie this in nicely to your all-time Cleveland Cavaliers banana boat. We do this on every podcast. You pick the three guys that Ooh. you will want to be on the banana boat with, okay? These are not the three greatest players in Cavs history. It's not, you know, uh, uh, Craig Elo, uh, Mark Price, and LeBron. <laughs> That's not bad. Sorry, I'm but watching Christian. It, it could and be got highlights. You guys just lost Prada by the way. <laughs> He's so I continue going I mean, actually, down that rabbit bad. hole, and, and Iynga, I can confirm, pretty good dunker. Yeah, but that's so I'm
3: sorry, I'm watching Christian the highlights. <laughs> word from like 2015, like never been said again.
2: Mike, Mike just put on a, an, a busy on his calendar for the next
1: six hours for some reason. Oh, whoa! He <laughs> grabbed it out of the. Oh, he, he pulled the Serge Ibaka. He grabbed the ball. Okay, I'm, I'm going to stop play by part right. of This, this is, all right. With that in mind, we'll, we'll send a link to uh,
2: uh highlights when we, when we post this. Um, who are your three Cavs banana boat members with you. And there's again, the people you're most fascinated with, the ones you want to hang out with, the ones you think you'd actually personally have the best time with Eric. I think I know who one of those guys is going to be for you, but I'll let you tell the story.
3: You're right. One of those guys is going to be the illustrious <laughs> and, and well-regarded Sean Kemp, um, <laughs> who had a very short I want to say two year or three year. I forget how long uh stint with the Cavs in the first year um, putting up decent all-star numbers. And then in the second and third years, ballooning up during the lockout to, uh, 300 plus pounds and and never seeing his, his career go the way it should have. Um, but Sean Kemp is my favorite Cavalier of all time, my favorite player of all time. And the story of how I became a Cavaliers fan was in the late nineties, early two thousands. I was, you know, becoming a basketball player, playing myself, watching, um, obviously the tail end of Jordan's career, um, and into, the, the start of, of nineties, early 2000 basketball. And at the time I didn't have a basketball team. Uh, my parents are not sports fans. They didn't push the Knicks on me. I live in New York. They didn't push the Knicks on me. Uh, so I was shopping with my mom and everybody was wearing champion jerseys at the time. It was the hottest thing in school. I asked my mom to buy me a champion Jersey at the store. We were at the Jersey that they had was a Cavalier Sean Kemp Jersey. I threw that bad boy on before we even got to the register. And from then on, I was a Cavaliers and Sean Kemp uh, lifer. So Sean Kemp gets the prime spot. He gets the pole position in my banana boat squad. Number two, uh, Delonte West. Uh, Delonte West is, is one of my favorite all time Cavaliers because every time he was on the floor, um, he gave 100% effort. And there's very few basketball players that I can watch on a regular basis and, and believe that and truly mean that about now. Yet, had his off-the-court issues. There's some speculation about some of the things he did uh, to, to you know, <laughs> help e- escort uh, LeBron James out of Cleveland. Escort but Brown. as a player, <laughs> as a player, um, you knew that every single time Delonte West stepped on the floor, you are getting 100% effort. I've seen him do the LeBron chase down on guys. Um, and there's nobody that, that I believe um, in, in Cavaliers history kind of had that energy, had that like will to win. Now he wasn't the best player, but that will to win that he had. Um, so he's number two. And by the way, I mean, if you're looking at Sean Kemp and Delonte West, I think recreationally, we're probably going to have a pretty good time so far, um, <laughs> in terms of, you know, whatever activities we're doing on that banana boat. Yeah. And then number three, um, would have been Kyrie Irving. Now I will shift to Anderson Varejao. Um, it's a tough call between him and Zydrunas Ogauskas, but I'm going to go with Andy, the wild thing. Um, who I loved dearly and is, is one of the, another, another one of those effort and energy guys, but I just don't think he had the, the, the body and the, and the physical capability to go as hard as the Latte West, but I'll, I'll be damned if he didn't draw a charge, like, like the most beautiful painting I've ever seen. Yep. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick the Latte West. Sean Kemp and Anderson
1: Barraja. Charge and beautiful painting. Not words uh, I expected he, to hear in the same sentence.
2: He <laughs> had that soccer <laughs> upbringing to a T on how to fall properly with minimal contact. Uh Chris, who uh, who's on your banana boat?
0: Dante West is a great pick. Um obviously my first one is J, is J.R. Smith. Like that's just the obvious. Um mm-hmm. and like specifically shirtless J.R. Smith. Like specifically plucked out of the time stream, like was off, was off of Henny and Champagne for three weeks, J.R. Smith. Um, <laughs> I thought about World Be Free. I thought about wow. Z. I thought about Bear out World Be Free, the eighties legend. And just his name alone would make him fun. Um, thought about LeBron, but I just feel like I, that could get kind of petty. Um, <laughs> so I'm I'm going with the the illustrious uh, podcast so host of my last two, RJ and Channing. Like, you know you're gonna have fun. Mm-hmm. You know you're gonna get to goof around a little bit. You know Channing's gonna literally just make fun of everybody and just keep things kind of loose, and you just know that it's not gonna get too crazy and they're gonna be able to keep Jr kind of from going all the way over the edge. So it's it's all it's all modern cast, which is kind of boring.
1: But uh Jr. RG and Channing I think would be a fun banana boat. If you had to pick one from the nineties teams, I'm trying to think who would you even want? Those teams were good, but not yeah. exactly yeah. Probably probably Z or, or Sean Kemp, because like Mark Price, like Played
0: in the early 90s. Kind of like a, not. no offense to my price, just kind of like a, a, guy. a boring guy. Yeah, same with
3: Dorothy. Yeah, no love for, yeah. no love for like, uh, you know, Vitaly Potempico, Tyrone Hill. <laughs>
1: Can't say um, I would have had love for those.
3: <laughs> Trajan Langdon. Like there's, I feel like there's a lot of like underrated, like 90s, like guys that were like, oh yeah, I know that guy and all played for the Cavs, but never really made any impact beyond. Oh yeah, I know that guy. Um, mm. I would love to have like a, ben- you could do like a thirty deep banana boat of '90s calves that people go, oh, I know that name, but I have no idea who this guy was.
1: John um, Battle, John Hotplate, Williams, the
2: uh, 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 Terrell Brandon. How was he? Was a he was a great calf.
3: Brandon, yeah. Wesley Person.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: There's like there's like a, a, an endless supply of '90s calves that um, nobody would recognize by face, but go, oh yeah, that guy.
1: Mm. I, yeah, I, I, none of those are really like kind of getting me excited. Well, because like <laughs> I don't, don't want to go sure. to like <laughs> I don't want to go watch NASCAR
2: with Brad Daugherty or any of that. Crap. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so there's so yeah. I'm sure
1: he's a nice person,
2: but I'm yeah. not sure. I agree. Hot Rod Williams. I don't know what he's like as a person. He's he he's pretty so, good player. Like the yeah. late, uh, I, I think the late I think if you're going for like great, yeah.
3: If you're going for optimal fun times, I think the Kemp Delante and maybe J.R. Smith combo mm-hmm. that could really get you started off
2: right. That could get the evening going. You'd be like uh, sitting at the dock and be like, oh, this banana boat ride's been going on for hours. And they'd be like, you, uh, you haven't left yet.
1: <laughs> well, I wonder why you would feel that
2: way, Ben. Maybe you yeah, want to be more specific? I think it goes without saying. And there's a reason why J.R. Smith has now been picked by every single team preview that we've done where he's played for the team.
1: What do you think is like the all-time all-team banana boat? I feel like J.R. Smith and Rasheed Wallace have two of those. They've spot. been on all of these guys. And yeah. I'm trying to figure Ooh. out who the other one is. <laughs> just,
2: just tells you where all of our – Guests and hosts' personalities lie. Mike,
1: Michael Beasley's
3: making a strong case this week. Michael yes, Beasley he is. Yeah, putting out, <laughs> he is putting man. out those vibes this week that he's making a
2: strong case. That was the dumbest conversation I've ever heard in my life.
1: <laughs> but you know, if you knew in 10%, and then. <laughs> don't you, you don't feel like you'd have those sort of fake deep thoughts. Like that's such a fake no, deep the Kyrie the Irving thing thought is, right he's there. He's
2: never seen this is Spinal Tap. I'll guarantee it. But my head immediately Hmm. went to these amps go to 11 and that conversation, which is like, but why don't you just make nine louder and ten the loudest
1: because that's exactly what he was going through. Don't lie. You've had that thought He's just asking questions. No. Just trying to figure out like how this works. uh, Anyhow. He's just trying to learn more. Don't tell me you haven't had that thought. Let's just say
2: the only thing I'm truly upset about for this NBA season is that we'll never get a scenario where Phil Jackson and Beasley both walk into the cafeteria and all the tables are pretty much filled and they have to sit next to each other
1: (laughs) and have that conversation because that
2: would have been fantastic. It would but it just ended yeah. with something getting sparked and them walking away. Yeah. All right. Um. <laughs> so predictions. Uh, yeah, let's get to the predictions.
1: That do we both think they're going back to the finals? Yes. No. Yes. Yes. Okay. okay. Is LeBron going to stay or go? I think he stays. I think he's gone. I think he's gone as well. <laughs> uh, I don't have a really strong opinion. I think they will. They win the East regular season. Yes or no? Because I said yes and the, I submitted yes in the
0: team preview. I think I have to say yes.
1: Yeah, that's right. We locked you down. Yeah.
3: I am also going to go with no on this one as well. I don't think uh, they'll, they'll do as well without Isaiah.
1: And over under 58 and a half wins. Oh, way under. Way under? Yeah. He won 51 last year.
3: Is is that the current Vegas line or is that no, just. No, I think Vegas is like uh,
2: 54 for that?
1: Probably go under that too. Okay. Yeah. Um, Chris, why don't you but this part of this is the East is so bad. Yeah, but again, you don't play that many more games against the East. You play fifty-eight of the same games. So it's not like it's gonna like boost your win total by more than like one or two wins. Yeah, but that's literally the difference between
3: I think where it comes in handy though is you're on you're on game five of a of a four games or three games of five night, and you've got the you know the Chicago Bulls on the schedule. That that really gives you a rest day where you can uh, throw those guys on the bench. I I think it does help, but ultimately uh, I'm going to go under 58.
2: Yeah. And maybe I set that a little high. I think under 54 as well. Let's see. Let's see what Vegas has on
1: that. I mean, because on. again, like without Isaiah, there yeah they have 54 and a half. In, uh, yeah, I'm Vegas. definitely going under on that. I think Boston's going to win the East uh, regular season. They have Boston 53 and a half. See, I would I think Boston's going over fifty-three and a half. And huh. I think Cleveland's going under that, but Cleveland will beat them in the playoffs. Yep. Yeah, I think that feels about right.
2: Yeah. yeah. I still like Cleveland to go to the uh, go to the finals. And I guess last but not least here, like what is the minimum to call this a
1: successful season? Oh, that's a good question.
3: <sighs> For me, it's it's championship robust in my opinion.
1: <laughs> Chris, do you agree?
0: Yeah, I think it almost has to be because it's what it's the LeBron standard, and I think like just like I think people expect them to beat the Celtics. I think people expect them to to run through the East, even if like they could be the three seed, and probably people still think they're fine. And I, I think I'm like, but it, I also don't think people expect them to beat the Warriors either in any in any capacity, right? So like, how do you? I just don't know if there's like, if reaching the finals is a success, then that's like enough. But I also think. Like internally, they don't, they have to be championship, but I don't think there's any expectation other than, well, if you don't reach the finals, it's just like a really weird place for them to be in because they're expected to beat this bad conference, but then lose in five games to this team. Like it's just like a, it's a, it's a weird sort of place.
2: Yeah, I guess another thing I want to ask then is like, are they actually the second best team in the league? Or if this was a, a, a you know, 30 teams, no conferences, where do you think they would finish?
3: I, personally would put houston ahead of them i would put okc although i'm a little skeptical on okc i don't know if they're going to be as good as as people suspect but i would put probably okc above them um and maybe that fourth maybe that fourth spot
1: i would say they'll have the sixth best record in the nba this year okay
2: sixth
3: best yeah so four
1: west teams plus the celtics Celtics, will have better regular season records it sounds like you think the Wizards will be around them in regular season. Uh, no, I don't think so. I'm a little, uh, I mean, I guess, but I, I would say I would be surprised. I would be very surprised if okay. the Wizards have a better record than them. Huh. I would be surprised if the Cavs dip below the second seed. Yeah. Very
2: surprised. Yeah. Me too. I just can't see them. Again, the LeBron gold standard here is I, there's no mm-hmm. way to let that happen. But Yeah. Yeah. yeah this was great. Um, Chris, you've been on here before, and we always appreciate you coming on. Uh, hopefully, we'll have you on again throughout the course of the season. Eric, first time here, but I think you, you acquitted yourself quite well. Uh, my are a mere fan, for a mere fan. For, you, for a mere a fan. Look, look
1: <laughs> Eric, I'm a mere fan as well.
2: I know. Look how far you can get. you can get a podcast. You already have one, basically though, a much more popular one than, <laughs> than what we have. Um, so kudos to that. Um, different sport, but no, nonetheless. thank you. Yes. Thank, Thank you, you for uh, the kind words um, <laughs> and for not including
3: me in, in the journalistic uh, group because I don't want to have to uphold that standard. Yeah, or get um, ranked by the players someday, you know. My oh, my ability to throw out um, random things that I have no um, <laughs> inclination to, to support with, with factual information is is my greatest asset.
1: Well, good. This is the podcast to throw out bullshit, so we're <laughs> glad that you're able to come here. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: but awesome. Great. Well, again, thanks uh, – Thanks, to Prada, appreciate you uh, cutting out an hour in the middle of the day here. I'm Ben Epstein, and this was uh, Eric Jackman and Chris Manning joining us. Eric Jackman's from the MMA Hour here at MMAFighting.com at, uh, at Vox Media. And then Chris Manning is the managing editor for Fear the Sword. Check out all the great stuff that they're doing. Check out Prada's team preview uh, that's coming up in the next couple weeks here for SB Nation, as well as mm-hmm. Jersey Week on SB Nation, where they're taking a look back at, what, 1990s NBA uniforms?
1: That's today, but we have a whole week set up of jerseys. jersey's uh, thank jersey's. you to Whitney Medworth for planning yep. that and I'm really excited yep. for, for that whole thing.
2: Yep. So check it out. A lot of good stuff going up on SB Nation backslash NBA. It's important to put that NBA in there. You, know, to, you can go to the rest of SB Nation, That's all well and good. But check out the NBA content. Obviously that's where you'll find us and until next time, this is the Limited Upside Podcast.